0: It's go time. Previously on Third Down Gamble.
1: Brandon Banks has come out and said he's not putting a helmet on this year. Is that something to be taken seriously? Do you think there's going to be pushback from players or are there going to be enough of them that want to get football going and get some sort of paycheck for professional football that somebody like Banks is going to be an odd man out if he does sit out the rest of the season? first down. As the next deadline approaches, I thought we'd just play a hypothetical what if and let's ask ourselves, if you look at 2021 as your next
0: available option. I I think you probably do have to do that, Don. I think if you're not able to get everything together and get everyone on side, you have to say, okay, what's the point? Let's Let's throw in the chips and start planning for the next year instead. And I think the CFL's close to that. If no decision comes, I think they're going to have to say, let's, let's wait. And we see other leagues have done that.
1: You've got to countenance a few things. Number one, how much is it going to cost the ownership groups in the league to play this year? Revenue streams are minimal, television and what? So if you don't have the 5,000 at 50, which won't happen, it doesn't appear then you're looking at a net loss probably for each owner. And do you get to a point where you say that this just doesn't make sense anymore, that we're kind of chasing something that is just going to be more costly than it's worth?
0: The CFL is a league that's intending to make money. And if it's not going to make money, uh, with the majority of teams being owned by individuals or consortiums, and, and even those teams that are, owned by community ownership, Uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not making money, what are you doing this for? If it's an opportunity to continue to keep the league alive, then it is worthwhile. But if you're not making money, I don't see a lot of business owners wanting to take that forward for too long. Certainly outside of the CFO, we're seeing that in small businesses that have gone under and other areas that just find it they're no longer viable. You're talking not about stopping the league, but postponing it for another year. The question then becomes how much money has been put out in this year that's not recoverable, and can the ownership groups continue to make a go of it for next year, or will we see the potential of one or two ownership groups either opting out or or the franchises potentially withdrawing for a year or two until they get some funding in place?
1: I can't see anybody opting out or withdrawing. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. Ownership groups in the CFL have a, a public trust. You're doing something for your community and you're doing something for the history of that football team. You're keeping it alive. You're keeping it going. Bob Young, for example, bought the team for his brother, who was a massive Tiger Cats fan. Mm-hmm. You have community-owned teams in Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Edmonton, So I don't see the profit-making motive as yes, certainly it has to be there because you don't want to continuously lose money hand over fist. But I don't think that minor losses are the issue here. People realize that in business, there are going to be up cycles and down cycles, and you just have to roll with whatever you have, get creative so that you can limit the damage.
0: And that being creative, I think, is going to be the key because without the product on the field drawing fans, which the league is a gate-generated league, then you've got to somehow recuperate some money so if we use the 42.5 million that's been put out just to stay afloat the ownership groups and that's not
1: that's not to stay afloat as a league that's the play this
0: year. okay so so that's a that's a big distinction so the question would be and i i don't know the answer to this don but the question would be how much money have teams lost as a whole let's just use a number of 25 30 million dollars uh some organizations divided over nine yeah yeah that's so that's $3 million a team. Right. And, and I mean, that's that's not big money for large ownership groups, but that's, that's at a minimum. And it may be much more because I, I, I mean, I don't even know what the average team's organizational costs are, but they're paying 80% of it this year. So we could go higher. It could be five. It could be $8 million a team. If you're losing $8 million a team. By nine teams, you've you've lost seventy two million. Well, not a lot of businesses want to do that again. And then to reload and go again for twenty twenty one, you're potentially losing again because you like. Hopefully, at that point, we're able to congregate in much larger numbers, and people are going to be safe, and the coronavirus will have you know some kind of um, at least if it's not going to be a vaccine, something that's going to lessen the effects. But if that does not come to fruition. The ownership groups are going to have to, at some point, make a choice of how much money am I willing to lose before, you know, most CFL teams aren't losing tens of millions or 10 million each year. If they're doing that, eventually they they may have to go under. So I don't want to see that. My hope is that, that that doesn't come to fruition, but I still go back to the case that these teams are in business to try to make at least a break even or make money. You can't operate a business without that.
1: There's sort of a, I don't know, you're, I get the feeling that you're mixing a couple of things together. You're saying the league could lose $70 million, but it's not the league, it's the
0: individual owners. It's each individual teams. It is the teams, yes. And you're right.
1: it depends on what their other situations are that will dictate how much of a hurt that's going to be.
0: Yes, absolutely. Good point.
1: If you have a reopened economy and you're making money in your business elsewhere, then you can absorb that loss a lot better than a community-based team the three that I've mentioned, which do not have that kind of other revenue stream to help them out.
0: That's right. It will hurt. At that point, it goes back to, Don, what you were talking about being creative. So what what do you do? Do you hold a telethon? Do you do, you do some things to potentially get you through that period of time? I mean, that's going to be what teams are going to have to look at.
1: There's a huge, huge availability of money through gambling. Yes, And we've heard that the CFL and the other leagues are looking to get this federally approved so that they can get their cut. Now, we don't know what kind of dollars we're talking about, but it isn't going to be nickels and dimes. No, I I mean... 2021, all this other stuff could be in place. The vaccine, fans in the stands, gambling revenue. There's other revenue streams that are going to help you out. And over time, you should be able to make back what you lose in 2020
0: yes over time you should be able to i you know the hope is that that you can get there i think the other thing to go back to the whole question we started with if the season doesn't go in 2020 there's a lot of other outstanding questions that that need to be then brought forward one that you've posed as we've talked is players who have one year remaining on their contract does 2020 count as that year? Do they become free agents? You know, um, how are teams going to have that move forward? What 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 do you see there?
1: I think that's going to have to be something that's collectively bargained. The CFL technically hasn't suspended operations because it's still planning for the next season. Mm-hmm. So, the player contract falls into a funny spot. It does. With regards to that clause that we've talked about fifteen thousand times, it feels like. Yes.
0: <laughs> it does feel like that.
1: The the one year contract, they may give special dispensation that if you have an NFL opportunity, you have our blessing, you can go. But for the guys that don't have an NFL contract and they didn't play this year, then I'm wondering if they're going to ask the PA to say, we're going to roll it to 2021 and we're moving forward from there. It is a very, very difficult question to answer. Either side of the equation, whether you're the the league or the players association, you've got constituents that demand a certain amount of security. And that security necessarily isn't on the same level as what the other guy expects. So how do you mesh those two together and keep everybody happy. I don't know that you can, but you can certainly... Not an easy job. You, yeah, you, but you could certainly look at a way of... Navigating. Sort of getting onto the water and working your way downstream somewhere so that when you dock again, you're, you're in a good space.
0: On top of that, there's other questions. For example, we're, you're talking about players when you're talking to CFLPA and, and, and the league, but what about coaches as well? You know, if you have a coach signed for a four-year period, uh, that coach may be looking at the fact that this year they had to take a reduction to eighty percent, and there may be other opportunities elsewhere that may not have those reductions. At what point uh, can but they have
1: they have to be released from the contract? Right.
0: If you're if you're under
1: contract, you have to be released.
0: The only the only option would be you signed a contract for a hundred percent, and this year you got eighty percent. Would that then have some legal opt-out in the fact that the full contract was not fulfilled.
1: I don't think so because, again, there's no coaches association representing them. True. So you have individual contracts. Now, they do have other guarantees, i.e. a guaranteed contract. You get fired as a coach, your money is still paid out. The the head coaches. one big distinction between the coaches and the players. But, yeah, it does beg of the question because if there are opportunities – What do you do? Do you say, okay, you have this chance? Henry Burris, for instance, let's pretend that he was a coach. Yep. And Chicago comes knocking and says, we want you at our training camp. Well, Henry, because he's not a coach, gets to go. Mm -hmm. But maybe there was somebody else this year that would have liked to have gone. I think you have to work out team by team.
0: And I'm sure there are a number of positional coaches who are often on one-year contracts that the options are going to be on the table. And they're probably going to be looking for something that may offer more security, depending on how the... NCAA and the NFL seasons do move ahead or or not?
1: Well, the NCAA is all over the map. Mm-hmm. Some are arguing for fall. Some are arguing for spring. It's anybody's guess what they're going to do, partly because it's such a loose association. Yep. The NFL is going with all the gears moving, and they are pushing for the start date that they want, and they're going to play a full season. And they even want fans in the stands if they can figure out a way to mask everybody that's coming into the stadium. The NFL is such a colossal business. They have probably more wherewithal behind them to withstand a bigger hit and push for what they want than any other league on the continent. So they're a special case, but they will be the league that the CFL looks at and says, well, what happened? If they have trouble after trouble after trouble, the CFL may say, we dodged that.
0: It's right now a crapshoot for all of these leagues that have been going back and play, and we'll, we'll learn from that. But as we stand right now, the NBA is preparing to head back to regular season. MLB is on. We've got uh, MLS. We've Golf is moving forward. A number of leagues uh, are moving forward, so I think the CFL and other leagues are going to learn from this. In Canada, at least, we're seeing a lot of the leagues that are uh, for the CIS aren't moving forward, at least in the fall. So they'll have the opportunity to learn from this as well.
1: And this is the big thing. People that walk through the door first are always taking it on their shoulders. Whether it goes good or bad, it's going to come back on them. And as I said before, the NFL has probably much more in its tank to plow forward even beyond that than any other league can. So ultimately, massive business, yeah exactly, and I—it's just too much for them to walk away from. Now their players are still very upset over some of the protocols or lack of protocols that are being imposed, and there's still a lot to be played out. But they have cut back their preseason. Mm-hmm. The option is, I guess, for the CFL in 2021, if we don't have a vaccine, maybe preseason gets wiped out, and we go right to regular season.
0: Yeah, you you may have a bit of an extended training camp and keep everyone in-house just to keep people safe.
1: Second down. Put on your thinking cap and play along with our CFL trivia. It's trivia time. And it's trivia time, as our beautiful voice, who will never reveal, has told us to get ready for. Woo! And maybe Donald J will make another appearance. We'll see. That's enough. (laughs) I didn't expect him last week, and he jumped in. That's enough. Put down the mic. All right. All right. Question number one. You're 13 of 36, according to my notes. Oh,
0: thanks for for reminding me. (laughs) Hey, all it means is you get on a roll. I need to get on the rolls, right? That's all you have to do. My last uh, week was not so good, but hey, we'll we'll bring it up. Well, last week you were two of four. It was the week before that you really... I guess, yeah, that's right. Two
1: weeks ago was tough. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so episode 23, you kind of struck out. But hey,
0: we all do it. It was an off week. I'm on this week. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, let's see if we can get you a three out of four. That'd be sweet. That would. Question one. Hamilton Tiger Cats defeated Buffalo Bills on Tuesday, August the 8th, 1961. The significance of this was A, it was the first time an American team played in Canada. B, the AFL would never play the CFL again. C, it was the first nationally televised CFL versus AFL game. Or D, the Tiger Cats had just played Ottawa three days before in the CFL regular season.
0: Okay, C was that it was... The first televised game, right?
1: Nationally televised CFL versus AFL. Buffalo was in the AFL at that time. Yeah, they're AFL.
0: Yep. I'm going to go with, uh, all, well, I like D. I mean, that's a good, uh, I think, distractor. I'm hoping it is at any rate. I'm going to go with B. All right. And the
1: answer is B. It was the
0: last time this AFL
1: would ever play the CFL again. woo
0: That would have been uh, quite a game, and and, and understandably, they obviously didn't want to come back up and and keep that going. Was that a choice of CFL or AFL, Don, in history?
1: I think it was probably a bit of both. Mm -hmm. The, The AFL was coming up during the CFL regular season, and so it was tough to schedule these games in, because of course the CFL started slightly ahead, Yep. and I think both sides were kind of, maybe it's run its course. Yep. Oh. One for one so far. There you go. Question two. He has been called the Wandering Glenn, but Kevin Glenn was traded to Toronto but never played a down before being traded to Winnipeg in 2004. Name one other team where he did not step on the field. A. Montreal B. British Columbia C. Ottawa D. Hamilton
0: Oh, boy. So repeat those one more time. Okay, this is a team where
1: he never stepped on the field. Right. A, Montreal. B, British Columbia. C, Ottawa. D, Hamilton.
0: I want to say A, Montreal.
1: So your choice is A. Yes. And the answer is C, Ottawa. Darn. Now... Important to know, he was under contract with Ottawa, but he asked to be traded the moment Henry Burris signed with the Red Blacks. That's right too. So he never put on the uniform to play a game. You know, I should have got that if I thought about that. Yep. And that's the same sort of thing that happened. Got moved out of out of Saskatchewan to Toronto, and then Bingo wound up in Winnipeg mm-hmm. within 24 hours as well. So that happened twice in his career. He-
0: So he's been everywhere.
1: Well, that's why he's called the Wandering Glen. (laughs) Yes. Yep. (laughs) All right. Question three. Prior to readopting the name Eskimos in 1949, what other name had Edmonton football teams not used? A. Civics. B. Wanderers. C. Harlequins. D. Kodiaks. Hmm. So three of the four they've used, and one they didn't.
0: I'm going to go with Kodiak's. D. D? D.
1: You are correct. It is D. Wow. That's, uh... If you were asking me, I would have thought Harlequins was never on the agenda.
0: Well, and I thought Harlequins too, but I thought that's too obvious. That was going to be my choice, and I thought, no, I think maybe Kodiak's, because that... <laughs> Well, I learned something new again. So when did they use the other names, Don? Do you have the history?
1: This is going back into the 1900s and the 1910s. Okay. (laughs) And now this is the other caveat too. This is not just one team. This is a myriad of teams that were coming and going at the time. So that's why it's Edmonton football teams. Right. Not necessarily the Edmonton football team. You caught that. Good for you.
0: Okay. Well.
1: Let's go to number four. Can he break through? It's all there. I'm hoping. Question four. Who is the CFL career leader in interceptions? A Baron Miles. B. Larry Highbaugh. C Les Brown or D Paul Bennett.
0: Repeat them one more time. A
1: was Baron Miles. Right. B Larry Highbaugh. Highbaugh. C Brown. Brown. Les Brown. Okay. D. Paul Bennett.
0: I want to say B. I'm going to go with Larry Highbaugh. Larry
1: Highbaugh. So your choice is B. And the answer is C. Les Brown.
0: Mmm. Darn.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That was a great one. Never even thought about that. It's not a stat that everyone follows that closely. So uh, how many, do you have the numbers for those? To answer your question, he had 87 interceptions in his career. Wow, that's a
0: big number.
1: Yep, two out of four, hey, you're batting 500 again. We talked about the old baseball analogy last time. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Not bad.
0: Well, good questions, thanks.
1: Remember, for proper physical distancing, if you're close enough to shake hands, you're too close. The recommended distance in CFL terms is two yards. Don't get a no yards penalty. Make sure you stay back at least two yards to maintain proper physical distancing. Third down. Lots to be done before the 2020 season can get underway. September 14th. And the biggest part of it is on two spots. One, they need a new deal. And two, the federal government has got to step up with aid.
0: Yeah, it's, um, we've gone past the deadline that was arbitrarily set. And, uh, and it now looks like it's been extended somewhere towards the end of July to see if they can get those two things. And uh, I don't know, Don, what's your thought? It kind of looks
1: like there's a standoff between the federal government and the CFL. The federal government is saying we need to know what your contract is, with the CFLPA is, and the CFL is coming back and saying, well, we can't do that until we know how much you intend to aid us. I don't think that there's any issue with the delay. I don't think that an extra week is going to hurt. Given what's been going on so far, despite the fact that they've been in negotiation. Without federal aid, different players saying that 33% of our regular salary is just not going to cut it. And I think base salary is around 65000 thou, so 33% of that, you're looking at 2122 That's a lot more money than I'm making.
0: Yeah, no, it um, still is a risk for them. And I know we've talked about this on previous shows Um to be away from family, to be stuck in that bubble, to do all those things for that amount. We're reading also the players are upset that the other people in the league, the coaches and the organization are getting paid 80% of their salary. So that's where they're feeling that there's been a bit of a disconnect. Players see themselves as being the um, entertainment in the league. They're they're what the league revolves around. And so they feel they need a, a bigger share. And I I I understand that twenty one thousand. Well, it seems like a lot for a short period of time. They are taking a lot of risk to come up to be isolated to potentially be injured, and uh, you know not even sure what next year looks like. And for that amount, uh, if they have jobs, which many of our CFL players always do, they have to leave that job to come to play. We've we've said before some will be willing to do that. There's no doubt in my mind, but but some may not be willing to. So. It, uh, it will be interesting.
1: Baseball took a cut. They are playing 60 of 162. They're getting paid based on that. Now, granted, in baseball's favor, the money is a lot more for your salary. So it is. So a third of $5 million is still going to be a decent salary. Absolutely. The CFL, certainly, if you're at the low end or rookie contract, yes, you're not making much. The veterans, though, If you're up in the 200 thou range, 30% of that is not
0: a bad payday for
1: that amount of time.
0: No, and and you're talking about the veterans that are are League All-Stars to make that kind of pay, right? If you're a veteran who's just been playing special teams, uh, they're certainly not going to be in that... 100000 200000 but if they're the, the all-stars or great receiver, great DB, great linebacker, then yes, they're going to make that wage. Uh, the average wage, Don, do you happen to know any? What would the average wage be for a CFL player, and particularly if you took out your quarterbacks?
1: Well, if you deduct quarterback, you're probably in the 80 to 90.
0: Mm-hmm. So a third of that is 20 to 30, yeah.
1: Let's say 20 abo- above that 100 to 150 range beyond Mm -hmm. and you've got more probably below that that pulls that number back yep i don't see that that's too too bad for a salary you argue one third of that is not enough certainly i can understand they're upset given that they're thinking that coaches are making eight out of every 10 we're only making three out of every 10 why do they get that but coaches typically work the year-round Players work on their own time the year round. They do, but and. and and, I th- and they're not expected to be at the stadium. They're not expected to be in the office outside of the season.
0: No, they're not. The, the only thing they are expected to do is stay in shape, stay working out, make sure you're ready to play the game. And, and I mean, for them, I guess they look at the short period of time because the league itself doesn't run for an extended period of the year. That amount of time does uh, make it worthwhile to stay training for the whole year for some of them. And again, many do have second jobs and, and are working elsewhere, so... I certainly understand the players wanting to get as much as they can to come and play even if it's going to be a short shortened season and uh, I think that's you know that's one part of the negotiation the 80% that the players uh, feel or, or see management and, and the people in the team organization's getting paid uh, certainly allows them to start that negotiation with the CFL the league and, and move in that direction but at the end of the day I think more so It's the issue of the Canadian government and the funding from the Canadian government being a potential uh, block for whether or not the League moves forward. CFL has been working with the
1: federal government on so many levels and trying to get something sorted out so that there is money to help aid the CFL in this time of crisis. We've seen the government come forward with help for so many different sectors. Mm -hmm. The question is will they help sport and specifically in this case, professional sport? Look at this. They've got to, I think if you're the federal government and you're sitting on that committee, you've got to ask yourself, if I don't do anything, what's the consequence? It's not what if I do anything, what's going to happen? It's what's the consequence if I don't? Because the no has a lot more riding on it than the yes.
0: It Absolutely, Don. I agree with everything you're saying and I think... You know the the consequence for the government might weigh out more on the case of if they do give the money to the CFL and the fact that you know the government is already working with Serb, uh, the nationals who are unemployed I guess could could get Serb, but at the same point there's a lot of people out there who are struggling who would look at the government giving money to the league as potentially a misplaced uh, use of funds. Where I think that the CFL maybe has a bit more leverage would be going back to the idea that Ambrosi initially floated when he first went to meet with the government of taking this as a loan. And I would think the government may be in favor of trying to keep the CFL going because it does have a lot of revenue coming into the cities where players play over time. The cities themselves would, would be I think interested in seeing the CFL continue and, and want to see the CFL continue. So provincial governments may get behind that as well. So if it were floated as a loan, I think that might be more the idea that would uh, allow the CFL to receive funding from governments.
1: Yeah, you make a great point. Heath, in our last episode, talked to the other financial side of the CFL playing football. Manitoba says, we're interested. We're going to be the hub city. 2.5 million they expect to double that investment if the cfl comes there easily the city of winnipeg in the province of manitoba with all of the teams playing all the games in that center expected minimally 35 more likely 40 to 45 million in absolutely aggregate monies coming their way you can't tell me that
0: the cfl isn't good for business Oh, no, I think it's it's great for business. It's it's just, I think, in this day and age, um, giving money to players who may not all stay in Canada will not go well with the number of Canadians in, at this stage and the way things are going. We know that the Nationals, as I said before, are going to get some funding for the government if they're unemployed, but the funding going to keep a league that is a for-profit league, even though we, we know that they're struggling to make a profit in this day and age, certainly. I don't think that that will play well with everyone who is not a CFL fan. For those of us who are CFL fans, we would love to see that. I would love to see the government step forward and offer that money, but I think it is more probable that it would be accepted by the wider society if it came in the form of a loan, Don.
1: I don't think that the CFL is looking for a handout. This is couched as aid. So aid doesn't necessarily preclude a loan. Yep. The two are not polar opposites in the concept. So if the CFL gets a loan, they have a formula to pay it back. They've discussed that with the federal government. The loan, aid, whatever you want to call it this year, I don't see it as necessarily going strictly to the non-nationals and that's what's gonna upset everybody because as I just indicated, there's a spin-off economic benefit from having the CFL play and it's in the tens of millions. The ownership does not get this. That's what goes into the city at restaurants and hotels, and every game day brings money into whatever city is hosting the game. You've got to think of it in those economic terms. If you put out this, you're going to gain that, and that it could be two to three times over and again in spin-off benefit over the long term better than maybe an original investment. You could argue that 425 from the Feds, 425 to Manitoba, straight across. But don't forget, players make salary in Canada, have to pay taxes in Canada. There's all kinds of things that are going to come back to the federal government in different ways. So I don't see this as an impossibility. A likelihood of it happening, it's getting more and more of a faint hope clause that this could happen for 2020. But... You don't go into the room thinking it's not going to happen.
0: No, I, and I think that's where we're all hoping that the, the league, the CFLPA, and, and the federal government has to be a part of that, get on the same page and do that. And you make a very good point, Don, in, in the economic spin-off of the league as a whole, I think is outstanding. Every city that has a CFL team benefits, like you said, on game day when you have a home game. The variance here is that we're now looking at at the bubble, a hub, and it's only one city that potentially benefits from this. You're right. The players are still going to be paid. But I mean, if the average is $80,000, let's make it 90. So each one's only getting 30000 The question would be, is it going to benefit the government in this case in this year at this time with the amount they go out? And and for, for a government to spend money... To keep the league alive makes a lot of sense if we can get back to in the 2021 season where all of the cities are seeing that economic benefit and spin-off. And I guess the question comes down to whether or not this payment from the federal government will be needed to, in fact, keep the CFL afloat for another year beyond this year. The money that
1: they're asking for in this circumstance is a drop in the bucket. The federal government has been requested and has to pay a lot more money in so many other different venues that are 10 to 100 times as much as this. So you're, it's, it's like apples and oranges right now in terms of what the CFL ask is in, and, and the concern for the federal government. The, the apple is okay, 42.5 to get us through this crisis. The orange for the federal government is we've got to throw it in with everything else
0: that we're spending money on and see where it fits. I agree, Don. I mean, what what you say m- makes perfect sense, but I'm just going to play out a different scenario in the fact that we know that the Saskatchewan Roughriders also bid to be a hub city, and they were going to put what, what for the government would be a measly amount of $3 million in towards that bid, just like Manitoba put $2.5 million towards. When you see that, the example as I'm an educator. The example I see from the educator side is that we don't even have funding at this point for PPE and protection for those who are working in the education sector. And you as a government are proposing that you put only $3 million in that direction. Well, $3 million could go a long way in the education sector. And I think that type of questioning doesn't just come from the education sector. That's going to come from all sectors, right? Whether you're working in, in health, whether you're working in you know any of the government agencies, when a government chooses to put money towards the CFL and and yes, sports and heritage, is it important? I think at the ground level, it absolutely is. And I think for the CFL, I'd love to see it happen. But again, they have to weigh what the outcome going to be, not only for that economic spin, but in terms of how we're viewed as a government. And does this help us with an election? And let's be honest, I mean, that's that's always what it comes down to in a government that's on a four-year term. How will this help us in the eyes of the majority of the public?
1: Your concerns are valid, clearly, but you don't have to do one in absentia of the other. You don't have to do one in contradiction to the other. You can look at each case on its own merits and decide what you want to do. Just because the federal government comes forward and says, okay, we're gonna provide this loan to the CFL doesn't mean that they're gonna ignore something else necessarily. Again, it's all about slotting it in. Where do you want to put it? And if it's a priority, then it goes higher. If it's not so much of a priority, it goes a little bit lower. Or if you feel that at this point in time, we just can't do this, then it doesn't get slotted anywhere. And this is the question that everyone's wondering, is does that request get filed high, mid, or doesn't get put on the the desk at all in any tray?
0: And, and that's what's going to ultimately impact the league. Um, the, the players do need to come to agreement with the CFLPA, as we spoke to as well. Both of those two things have to be in play for the season to go forward. And we've got just over a week to move in that direction is, is kind of what we're hearing is the next deadline. Now, there's a lot coming from the players about that deadline and how it keeps moving and what is the point. And they're quite frustrated, and understandably so. I mean, they're, they're trying to decide whether or not I'm packing up in two weeks and heading towards Canada. At some point, that decision needs to be made. So we're coming, we're coming close now. Part of that decision is going to be theirs, though. If they accept mm-hmm.
1: an amended 2020 contract, then they have part of the say in whether or not they show up. If they say no to it, they know their answer.
0: Daddy, you're absolutely right.
1: Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at Third Down Gamble. That's spelled at T H I R D D O W N G A M B L E.
0: Join us again next time. The Third Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching.